You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah B'Shem Hashem's 5783, 2022. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Miketz. The Torah continues with the story of Yosef HaTzadik and his brothers. How we saw last week that he was sold to Egypt. And in this week's Parsha, after being in jail for 12 years, finally Yosef is taken out of the jail and he becomes second in command to Paro because of his amazing interpretation of the dreams of Paro, his prediction that the seven years of plenty would come, the seven years of famine would come following that. Indeed, exactly as happened was exactly how he was able to understand the dreams of Paro. Incredible siyata deshmaya. He had amazing help. And then our Parsha describes how the brothers came down to Egypt. They came down because they needed food. And Yosef interacts with them in a very unusual way, which requires an incredible amount of, of explanation, of course. And uh, he recognizes immediately that he knows who they are, but they do not know who he is. And he sees this as a sign that he is to continue to act as if he doesn't know who they are, and they are not to know who he is, until finally at the climax of the story in next week's Parsha, Yosef reveals himself to his brothers after subjecting them to a very difficult trial and tribulation in which they thought that they were being wrongly accused. Binyamin had stolen the Gavia, that's at the end of our Parsha. Binyamin, Benjamin, stole the special cup which Yosef, as it were, used to predict exactly who they were magically, right? And Yehuda stands up for Binyamin, and in next week's parsha, at the beginning of Vayigash, he stands up and he speaks on behalf of Binyamin, Benjamin, and he says, "Please, my my father, you kept asking about my father. Well, this son and my father, their souls are intertwined. If my, if this son doesn't come back, my father could pass away." And that's where Yosef finally reveals himself. Now, I, uh, I'd like to share with you a small thought from my Rosh Hashiva, from Rabbi Per, which is contained in this brand new book called Yosef Ve'echav, Joseph and the Brothers, which you can actually get on Amazon. It's in Hebrew, so you'll need to have some Hebrew reading skills in order to benefit from the book. He has a very broad understanding of the entire story of Yosef. It's definitely, definitely worth uh, studying, and I have been studying it. Hashem. And uh, I'd like to share with you a small thought, which is at the very beginning of Parsha's Vayigash, but really it explains a lot of the things that are going on in our Parsha, and if we understand it properly, we can start to understand a very broad picture of the entire story, and we can understand a very powerful lesson for ourselves. So let's take a look here. In the beginning, at the very end of our Parsha, at the beginning of next week's Parsha, so we have Binyamin being accused, as we said, of having stolen the, the Gavia, the special cup, and Yehuda standing up for him. Now, my Rosh Hashiva points out like this, Vahigashi love Yehuda, at the very beginning of next week's Parsha. Milvad tikun chet mechiras Yosef, al yidei mesirus nafsham avor binyamin. Besides for the fact that through this act, which is what really Yosef wanted to orchestrate, why did Yosef go through all of these, why did he put them through all of these difficult tribulations and trials? confusing them, they don't know what's going on, it's a very difficult time for them, they do recognize that something's going on that's connected to having sold Yosef, but they don't really know what's happening, right? 
But all of this is to bring them to a point where Yehuda is willing to stand up for Binyamin, for Benjamin, and he's willing to give himself up. Instead, he's saying, take me as a slave, instead of Binyamin, instead of Benjamin. By doing this, so they atoned for the sin that they had sold Yosef at Tzaddik. Now, besides for that, which is what Yosef intended, Yesh Yehuda Says my Shiva, says Rabbi Per. In this accepting of responsibility, Yehuda accomplishes something else. Sha'al Maisa Yehuda, through the act of Yehuda, through this act of standing up for his brother Benjamin, Leia Imay Shilma There was an old score that needed to be settled, so to speak. There was a Hakar Satayv that Leia, Leia needed to have to Rachel, to Rachel, her sister, because Leah and Rachel, only Rachel was supposed to marry Yaakov. Only, only Rachel was supposed to have children from Yaakov. Yosef was it. As the Medrash points out at the beginning of our Parsha, beginning of Parsha's Mikitz, or maybe it was in the previous Parsha, I'm sorry, I forget at this moment. But as the Medrash points out, they all were there because of, it was at the beginning of Yeshev. They're all, the entire story is for Yosef. The, the fact that the brothers existed was because Yaakov wanted to marry Rachel, and that's how he ended up marrying Leah as well, because of Lovan's Ramos, because of his trickery. But ultimately, why was, how is it possible? Why was it possible for Leah to marry Yaakov? It was because Rachel was silent. It was because Rachel gave her the symbols, the signs, the simonim, so that she wouldn't be embarrassed. So it was because of Rachel Imenu that the brothers existed at all. Right, it's an incredible thing. Through Yehuda's courageous act to stand up and protect Benjamin, there was a repayment of sorts for the fact that Leah had been allowed into the home of Yaakov by Rachel. Letting her into the home of Jacob. Now, what fascinates me about this point is that this is a beautiful point. Right? It's a very important point. Yehuda here, by standing up for Binyamin, he rectifies something. He rectifies the sin, and he also rectifies the, we could call it, I don't want to say lack of Akar Satayv, but he, he stands up and he expresses that Akar Satayv, the recognition of the good that was done for his mother Leah and for himself and for his children, for her children, for all the brothers. But it, but it points to a very big problem. Because this is, so to speak, the end of the story. This is the climax of the story. But if we go back to the previous parshas, how could the brothers, how could Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, and Zvulun, these incredible, incredible tzaddikim, how could they go and sell Yosef? How could they even think of killing Yosef? Yosef was the very reason that they were born. Where was their Akar Satayv? Where was their recognition of the good that was done for them? Where was the recognition of the fact that Rachel had allowed their mother Leah in to begin with? How could they have such a brazen lack of a curse of the kufiyas taiv at the beginning of the story? Right? That's that's a very important question that we need to understand. Right? Besides for the Pashup Shad, the similar understanding of they were jealous, they didn't like it that that Yosef was being singled out, they perhaps held that he was a raidif, they they held that 
he was running after them to kill them, etc., because he was speaking negatively about them. However, you understand they're 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 having sold him in the first place. Their negative attitude towards him in the first place. It still begs the question: Where is their Akar Satayv? Where was? How could they be such a? How could their their very existence was only because of Yosef's mother, because of Rachel? How could they entertain the possibility of destroying and selling? And or selling Yosef. Now, that's one point that we need to understand. Another point that we need to understand is very interesting. And I haven't saw, I haven't really seen this brought down anywhere. But, you know, the Torah is here for us to darshan. We're permitted to take concepts that we know to be true and to try to apply them to what's going on in these stories in order for us to understand on a deeper level. And we find that Chazal tell us that the Midah, as we mentioned before, the Midah of Rachel Imenu. What was her Midah? Her Midah was Shtika. Her Midah was quietness. Right? Rachel was quiet when it came to Leah being given over to Yaakov. She didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. She didn't want to embarrass her sister. An incredibly important Midah of Shtika. And our Chazal say, this is Midrashim, that Binyamin also had that Midah. Benjamin had this Midah. He was quiet. Yeshpeh, right? The the stone of Benjamin, of the tribe of Benjamin, on the on the uh, breastplate of the Kohen Gadol of the high priest, was Yashveh, which is Yeshpeh. He has a mouth, but he he's quiet. We see that Mida by Shol Hamelch Shol, King Saul came from Binyamin, from the tribe of Benjamin. He was also quiet when he was appointed the king. He didn't run and tell anybody. He hid. He didn't want to reveal it. It's a, a tremendous meat, a positive meat of shtika, of quiet. We don't need to brag. We don't need to state our importance and how amazing we are and all the things that we have accomplished. It's a very powerful spiritual uh, midah attribute of quietude, of quiet. If I accomplish certain things, and in, in, you know, it remains between me and God. Right? That's an important thing. It's an important concept. It's the concept which is related to Rachel, it's related to Binyamin, it's related to Shaul. And it's related to Esther and Malka, right? Esther was commanded by Mordechai, both of whom were from the tribe of Benjamin, from Binyamin. She was commanded to be quiet and not reveal who she was. At a certain point, she was to reveal. At the end of the story, she does reveal who she is and what, what's her nation, because that's how she's able to save her nation, right? But the Mida of Shtika, the Mida of quietude, of, of, of silence, is the Mida that's attributed to, to Rachel and to Binyamin and to their offspring. Now what's interesting is what about Yosef? Right? What about Yosef? Yosef, L'chaira, this is where we get to the theoretical here, but Yosef should have the Midah of Shtika as well. He should employ this Midah because that's his special Midah. Right? So, you know, when we go through the story, we see that he does. We see that this is his Midah. Right? When he deals with his brothers, as soon as he recognizes that there's an opportunity here to bring about uh, a tikkun, a rectification for, this, for the sin that they performed, Yosef HaTzadik is quiet. He doesn't reveal who he is. Right? There's a quietude. There's a certain meter that he has. And also, perhaps we could say, in what is the meter of Shtika? It's, a, it's an inaction. It's, it's, a, it's a, an expression or a lack of expression that's used in a positive way. Yosef also uses that when it comes to the wife of Potiphar. She tries to get him to sin with him, and he refuses, right? That's inaction. He runs away from her. That's, the, that's a very powerful form of quiet, so to speak. 
right? Speaking is interaction. It's me conversing with you, trying to explain ideas. We have a back and forth. That's what speaking is. Quiet is separation, right? So Yosef has the Midav Shtika, but you see, this is what's interesting. Just like we asked about the brothers, how could they, if they, if they were Yehuda, right? Yehuda, his whole essence is Haida, his whole essence is thanks, just like Leah, Hapam, Oides Hashem. Now I will thank God, right? Leah's Mida is, is Haida, is thanks. Yehuda's Mida is thanks, not just thanks, but admission, admission. Quietude is Yosef, quietude is Rachel, and Yehuda is admission, admitting that he's wrong. When it came to the story of Tamar, Tzadka, he says, Tzadka Mimeni, she's correct, she was right. He, he admitted his wrong. David HaMelech also has that mean, the King David, who comes from Yehuda, who's, the, you know, Mashiach bin David, has the mean of, of of absolute submission, of absolute contrition. Yehuda, at the end, is contrite. He's able to admit his mistake in not standing up for the daughter of the son of Rachel um, originally with Yosef, and he does stand up for the son of Rachel in in our story. But he didn't have that meat at the beginning, right? He was missing that hoidah when it came to the beginning of the story, like we asked. But Yosef also, it's very interesting, Yosef as well. He wasn't quiet at the beginning. He, he had these dreams. The dreams said he's going to rule over his brothers. But he wasn't quiet at the time. Because he was busy saying to his brothers, Ah, listen to this dream. I'm going to... That was what I was saying. Listen to this dream. Right. And then they say, What? You think you're going to be the king over us? I'm a Sholtim Sholbanu. What? You think you're in charge? You think you're going to be the king over us? Right. So his lack of quietness... His lack of silence at the beginning of the story is what brought about all of the troubles. Right? If he would have been quiet, if he would have employed the Midah of Shtika at the beginning of the story, so the whole story wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have had all these problems. So it's very interesting that both Yehuda, whose Midah is Haida, admission, contrition, but at the beginning of the story he was missing that Midah when he was younger. Yosef also his midah, just like his mother, is a midah of shtika. That's how he brings about. He he's quiet, right? When he makes a mistake, think about it. With with the with the um, the the Sarah Mashkim, right? He says to him, "Remember me, remember." He talks too much, right? He ends up back back there in the jail for two more years, right? When he comes out of the jail at the beginning of our parsha, and he says to Paro, Paro says, "I've heard about you that you know how to." to interpret dreams. He says, Biladai, right? He says, it's not me. It's up to God to, to respond. I, I don't have any power on my own. Like that's that's also the shtika, the quiet. It's not like, hey, look at me, I'm the king, I'm the I'm the master. No, I'm the master of nothing. Uh, everything that I have is only from a Kodush Baruch from God. Right? So that's that's the Midah of Yosef, is shtika. But you see, at the beginning of the story, he didn't have it. And Yehuda also didn't have this midah at the beginning. And it was something, what we see from here, and this is such an important lesson for each and every one of us, such a, a powerful idea, is that when we talk about the midas, when we talk about the character traits, when we talk about the spiritual uh, inheritance that each and every one of us have, when we speak about what is it, who, is it, who are we at our essence? Who are we? What is what are the spiritual the lofty goals that we 
strive for. You know, I recently pulled out, I've mentioned in this podcast previously, but I recently pulled out a, a uh, two pages. They were sitting on top of the box for my menorah. I have a box, and then I use it, put it in the window, a glass box. So I have it in my office, right off, usually over here behind me. And uh, it's put away, then I have to construct it before Hanukkah. And uh, on top of the box, there were two pages. And the two pages are a story out of a particular book from the city where my great-grandfather, my, my Bubby and Zadie, my grandfather, my great-grandfather grew up. So there's a story about my my great-grandfather, Yosef Yitzchak Streisand. And the description there is about all of the incredible mitzvahs that he had, all of his character traits. He was very careful about the mitzvah of Hachnas Azorchim. He would make sure that people in the synagogue, the poor people, had a place to go. If, you know, when someone would come around collecting, he would make sure that everyone gave tzedakah, everyone gave charity to the person. When, uh, you know, a lot of mitzvahs, he was very involved in the, in the Chavra Kadisha, helping with burials. He would wake up in the middle of the night to deal with all kinds of things. He was an incredible human being, an incredible person, a great tzaddik. A great righteous individual, and so you read these. I read these stories, and I'm like, wow! I mean, he was like incredible. He was amazing, right? But every person can look at those before him and see the midas that the that their parents had, their grandparents had. My my grandmother, my mother's side, she was incredibly talented. She would write songs and she would write poems, and she would make up melodies, and and uh, you know. Each one of us has a certain inheritance from our parents, from our families, that are character traits. But you see, when we're young, and this is really the idea here, when we're young, we might be aware of those character traits. We might be aware of the midas from before, the midas that we have inherited. But it takes time to develop them. Yosef Atzalik did not become Yosef Atzalik overnight. It was through the challenges that he experienced. It was through the story of his life that he went through. The shtika, the quiet, right? He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't quiet at the beginning. He didn't, he didn't develop yet that midah of quiet. It was something that takes time to develop. It's not something that you're born with. You're born with that potential. But it's something that takes time to develop. Yehuda, his whole essence, his name was Yehuda, which means hoida, which means thanks, which means admission, which means contrition. But he was young. I'm saying with the, the beginning of the story, right? We're, we're reading the story and we see this is a story that evolves over 22 years, right? The beginning of the story, Yosef is 17 years old and he's busy telling the story of his dreams to his brothers. But he didn't yet acquire the Midav Shtika, which was something that he was meant to acquire, which was an inheritance from his mother. His mother was that way. His mother was quiet. His brother was quiet. The the offspring of Rachel would be quiet. But even that idea of the offspring being quiet is an, is a it takes time, right? It takes time. It takes thousands of years even for Amida to develop and be perfected and to come to the fore and be used in its proper place. And even that Mida requires sometimes. The shtika is necessary, right? You know, Esther is quiet for the beginning of the time that she's in the palace, but at, the, at a certain point, as we mentioned, it was appropriate to not be quiet. And that's also true for Shaul. I mean, king Saul was quiet when he was anointed to be the king, but he was sometimes quiet in the wrong way, 
right? When it came to the destruction of Amalek, the people said, don't kill Agag, don't kill the king of the Amaliki people, don't kill all of the animals, and he was not quiet. I'm sorry, he was quiet there, but in the wrong context, he shouldn't have been quiet there. So even the Amida, every single Amida that we have, it takes time to develop and to understand when it should be used, when it's appropriate, when it's not to be used, when is it appropriate to be Maida, right? Uh, the Mida of Yehuda also is is an amazing amazing Mida, the the character trait of of admission. But sometimes, if if someone is doing something wrong, if someone is is uh, you know, let's say causing wants the person to bow down to an idol, right? So there's no Hoda there. There's no bowing there. There's no admission there. Every Mida has to be used in its right way, and in its right place, and in its right time, and in his a sensitivity which only can be developed through time. This is one of the things that my Rosh Hashiva says, Rabbi Perry, you know, the Bachram asks him, I listen every day, almost every day, to the Vad, uh, the Musar Vad that he gives, Baruch Hashem, the he should be healthy and well. You know, the Vad, in the Vad, so he talks about different ideas, Musar ideas, working on character, and the Bachram asks him a sort of, you know, questions at the end sometimes. And one of the things that he always says is that this is not something that I can just answer with a definitive answer. It's something that you need to develop a chush, develop a sense for. It's something that with time and with experience, you get an intuitive understanding of how to work with this midah. When do you use this midah? There are certain midahs that we think are, are terrible, like the midah of anger, let's say. Right? But there, are, there is an appropriate place to use the midah of anger. I'm not going to get into that right now, and I'm saying that the idea is that every single Mida has its place, and to the degree that we understand where is the right way to use the Mida, where is the right way to use, or when is the right time to use this character trait, that's something that, first of all, means that we have refined and developed that character, and it's something that means that this, we have, we have acquired it, and it requires an incredible amount of experience. And so, when we read this story of Yosef and his brothers, when we read about Yehuda, and we say, how come, and when he, how come at the beginning he didn't, ha, didn't have Haidah? Where was his, where was his Akar Satayv? Where was his recognition of the good? Where was his recognition that he, he existed only because of Yosef and Yosef's, parent, uh, Yosef's mother? What happened at the beginning? The answer is he was young. He had not yet developed. It was through the difficulties that he would indeed develop. Yosef understood that from his own experiences. He understood that. How did he develop this mitzvah of shtika? When was he able? It was because he was stuck in that jail for two extra years. That's how he knew when it came to, to Paro. said, I heard about you. And he says, it's quiet. And like, ah, it's not me. When, when, when it came to the, to the Saramashim and the Saramashim, he says to them, He says, it's Hashem who explains the dreams. But tell me, Right, he's, he's, he speaks about himself within a small amount of time, right? But when it comes to Paro, he's already, he's already become, you know, he's learned the lessons of life. And Yehuda here has also learned the lessons of life. And so too we, we have midas, we have character traits, we have talents, we have abilities. And all of these things, it takes time. It takes time and it takes experience. For us to learn what is the right place to use it. What is the appropriate place to use this midah? When am I to use this talent? When am I to use my propensity for quietude? When am I 
to not use that quietness? When is it inappropriate for me to be quiet? When do I need to speak up? When do I need to be minded? When do I need to admit I'm wrong? And when do I need to stand up and say, you know what? we got to do what's right. All of these things are something that we develop through our experiences in life, through the challenges that we go through. This, I believe, is one of the most important, perhaps, lessons of the story of Yosef and his brothers. I want to bless you, ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us that we indeed should be able to recognize what are the midas, what are the character traits that we individually have inside of ourselves that we need to develop. Hashem should help us to have the experiences that will help us refine and be able to know exactly when to apply these midas to ourselves. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.